Y'all go ahead and open up to the book of Luke, chapter 1. We're still walking through chapter 1, and we'll probably be here for a couple more weeks because it's pretty long. But uh, let me guys ask you a question real quick. Have you guys ever felt like your life was maybe just a little too small for God to notice? Okay. Or maybe have you ever felt like your life was um, too insignificant for God to really use you to do something big in this world? Maybe insignificance a little harsh. Maybe you just thought, maybe some of you thought this, that why would God use me when he can use somebody else? Right? I don't, I don't need to raise your hand. I, I know we've all gone through that before. Right? But do you guys know um, the story of Billy Graham? Billy Graham uh, grew up as a farm boy in North Carolina, right, on a dairy farm, and uh, grew up in a good Christian home and uh, was invited to a revival. And he went and he knew when he was a young boy, I need to get saved. So he came home and he said, I gave my life to God. Fast forward, I'm not going to get into his whole story, but the man barely finished high school. His senior year, the teachers had to call his parents and go, hey, we don't think Billy's going to graduate, right? How many of you have been in that boat before? (laughs) You don't have to admit that. But then then later on, he goes to one college and ends up transferring to another, and and he barely makes his way through even college. A brilliant man, but he was like me. I'd rather be out of the class witnessing to somebody than to be in the class studying a book. Um, But this little bitty farm boy from North Carolina, God used, and I I would go ahead and say the greatest evangelistic pastor in history. This man would preach the gospel. How many of you have ever seen Billy Graham in person and heard him preach? It was amazing that God took this little bitty farm boy from North Carolina, middle of nowhere, and allowed him to do a big and great work in this world. And so today, we're going to continue to look in the book of Luke. Uh, we come to this amazing lesson that we learn from Jesus' mother. Mary was kind of in the same boat as Billy Graham. Not from a big place. Wasn't really educated, but God chose to use her in a big, big way. And I want to tell you today that God wants to use you in a big way as well. Amen? Let's pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, God, you are so good, uh, Lord, that we're able to come in here and sing about that, God. We can sing um, how good you are and how um, on Father's Day you are our Heavenly Father. Um, but God, today, Lord, as we dig through Luke and we, we look at Mary's life and, and what she um, went through and the things that you called her to do, Lord, I pray that our response would be just like Mary's, God. That we would just say yes to whatever it is you are calling us to do. God, I pray that you use me. God, that you focus my heart and you focus my mind. Um, Lord, and you use my mouth to speak today, God. Um, remove me out of the way, God, and just speak. Uh, Lord, don't let us leave here unchanged. God, your son's name we pray. Amen. I left my wedding ring over here. It's bothering me. To that there, <clears throat> All right, so you guys know a little context, right? We, if you weren't here last week or the week before, Luke is giving us accounts of God moving um, before Jesus Christ was even born. Right? We know that for 400 years we didn't hear a word from the Lord. And then God is all of a sudden saying, hey, this is what's going to happen. And he used one of his angels to come down and he broke God's silence. And God is speaking, preparing the way for the Lord. Right? Amen. Right? That's a good thing. And so today what we're coming to is how Zechariah was told that even in his old age and his wife's barrenness, that they would have a son named John whose only mission was to come and say, Jesus is coming. Right? 
And, and so we're going to look at Zechariah and his response. Um, but we're also going to look at Mary and her response to Jesus. Right? So Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man who, who was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. I love Luke because he's done all this research um, and, and all the things that he did. We can look at the details that he put into this gospel account. We can look at the details and it makes you think, right? God is really revealing his big plan to save humanity. And if you look into the details, you see how this whole plan is unfolding, this plan from the very beginning of time, um, right? We're we're thinking, man, this is going to be awesome. God decides to unfold this plan in Nazareth. Anybody know anything about Nazareth? Raise your hand. Okay, let me tell you about Nazareth. It sounds just like my hometown. Ghetto, okay? It's, I mean, Nazareth, if you don't know about it, it's one of those small, good-for-nothing towns outside of Jerusalem. It's about 65 miles um, away from Jerusalem. There's nothing there. It's just desert people, okay? Um, they just live there. Um, so when you think about God unfolding His plan to save the world from sin... Why in the world would he do it in Nazareth? Y'all are with me this morning, right? So let me, let me put it like this. When you think about it, why wouldn't God go to Jerusalem? 65 miles away, why wouldn't you go to the big town, the holy city Jerusalem? Why choose this desert place, this desert ghetto with desert people, right? But then Luke gets into more detail. Now he's talking about Mary, Right? And what we know about Mary, we know that she was very young, right? Some scholars believe that Mary was probably 13, 12, 13, 14 years old. So she's young, hasn't lived a lot of life, right? She's uneducated. She's poor. She's from Nazareth. She's probably dirty, right? She's engaged. She's not even married yet. And she's a virgin, right? So when you think about these things, when you read it, you tend to go, God, why would you choose to unfold your plan in Nazareth, and why would you choose to use a little girl? It doesn't make sense, God. This is a big plan, God, in case you didn't know. This is kind of a big deal, us being able to be forgiven of our sin. That's a big deal, God. Maybe you should go into Jerusalem. Right? How many of you have ever thought of it like that before? Man, Luke, man, he, you know, he, he makes you think. It would have been better for God maybe to go into Jerusalem to find an older woman who has some years under her belt, right? A little season, um, has a good marriage, good education, good family, right? High up in society. It, it's almost better to think, God, wouldn't that be the better option for you to use? Someone better than me. Somewhere better than where I'm from. And even Mary question, look at verse 29. Look at, look at Mary's, you know, she hears greetings, O favored one, right? Look at her, look at her um, response to this, verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So she didn't even know the mission yet, but she's sitting there wondering just from the greeting that she got. O favored one. And I don't know this, right? This is Donnie. Okay, so let me step aside from the Bible. This is me. I bet she's thinking, because this is what I would have thought. 
Oh yeah, I'm really the favored one sitting here in Nazareth. I'm really favored sitting here in the desert. It kind of reminds me of last night. Our AC's out. It's 85 degrees in my house. Right? Oh, favored one, Mary in the desert. You are the favored one. Right? But I think, and, and, and like I said, this is just me, but I, I wonder if part of her discerning and her thinking about this greeting, I wonder if she was thinking to get off your phone. Right? I wonder if she was thinking, man, I wonder why God's wanting to use me. Uh, and I say this because I, I, I tend to do this my entire life. I, I've tended to do this, that, God, you don't, you don't remember who, where I'm from? I'm from Empire, California, man. God, I, I'm just, I'm married. God, I'm just, I'm young. God, why would, you, there's so many people out there. Use, use her. She's way better than me. Use him. He's way smarter than me. You're better off finding somebody else. God could have, right? He could have gone to Jerusalem. He could have found some other person better than Mary. But hear me when I say this. God cares less about who you think you are. God cares less about what the world has labeled you. God cares less about where you're from, what you know, what you have. God cares more about your willingness to surrender to his call and be obedient to what he tells you to do. That's what God cares about. It's less about where you're from or what you know or what you've done. God just wants to know in your heart you are willing to say your will be done. That's what God cares about. You being surrendered and obedient. The very fact that God had even chosen Mary proves the fact that it was nothing but His grace. That's what God's grace looks like. That He would choose to use a young, virgin, betrothed woman from Nazareth to unfold and give birth to His Son, Jesus Christ. And for the fact, I mean, think about that. That's God's grace. There's a saying in my, in my friend group back in college, right? How many of you guys know what a scrub is? Anybody know what a scrub is? There's this old song back in the 90s, I Don't Want No Scrub. Anybody heard that song before? Raise your hand if you've heard that, right? Becky, you know it by heart, right? I don't want no scrub. And in college, our little group, we would tell each other, don't be a scrub. And basically, a scrub is someone who, you know, like, hey, you're, you're not good for anything, right? It's like a broken tool. You don't use a broken tool when you got a new one sitting there, right? But here's this. God is in the business of taking broken tools and building something big for his kingdom here on earth. And know this. You are a broken tool. Know this. You are a scrub. But God cares more about your willingness to be obedient than about who you really are. He cares about what is in your heart and the love that you have for him. Way more about where you're from or what you have or what you know. You guys with me? Let's pick up in verse 30. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you should call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. This woman, young, poor, uneducated, the list can go on and on and on, was chosen to bear 
and feed and raise and clean and bathe the Son of God. It's more than just giving birth, right, ladies? <laughs> right? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to pretend I know. But I know for a fact it's more than just giving birth, right? You got you to gotta feed that baby. You got to clean that baby. You got to spank that baby. I don't know if Jesus had to get spanked or not. I know some babies in here need to get spanked. But that is a big responsibility. That is God's grace being put onto this woman and saying, uh, give birth to my, I'm choosing to use you. Will you accept? Because this is a big deal and God has a plan for your life. God has purposely designed you just like he purposely designed um, Mary. Even in Hebrews, Jesus was quoted saying that, that, that God prepared a body for him to be born. Something along those lines It's in Hebrews. Thank you. God has specifically designed you for a purpose. And it's more than just coming into church and sitting and standing when we tell you to. It's more than just coming on those holidays. It's more than just, just going through the motions of life. God has a big plan for you. And some of you are settling for just the day-to-day life. Some of you are settling for, man, I can't be used. I'm from Nazareth. Some of you are settling for, yeah, God is awesome and God can do anything, but he can do it in the pastor. He'll do it through the deacons. He'll do it through the Sunday school teachers. That's wrong. God wants to do something in this world and he wants to use his followers. But most of the time we're saying, no, I'm not smart enough. I'm too old. I'm too young. God, you can't really use me. And God's like, get out of my way and just let me do what I'm going to do in your life. And some of us have a a TV ad coming on our phones. (laughs) God has a plan for your life. Look at verse 32 one more time. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign in the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. That's Jesus Christ. No end to his kingdom. He reigns forever and ever and ever. And Mary's responsibility was to birth this kid. To give birth to the son of God. And some of you, God tells you, hey, would you go talk to your neighbor? And you go, no, that's too much for me to do. Some of you guys telling you to join the church and you go, no, not this Sunday, next Sunday. I'll, when, when it, next week's better for me. I got, I'll do it next week, God. Some of you, God's calling you to surrender and get saved and ask for, be forgiven of your sin. And you're going, oh, yeah, I will, God. Not, not yet, though. She was given the responsibility of birthing the Son of God. I wonder if God put a little more responsibility on you. What would your answer be? What would my answer be? I said yes to being a pastor. What am I saying no to that God may be calling me to do? Think about these things. Let's look at Mary's response. Look at verse 34. So after hearing all these things, here's Mary's response. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? 
right? So if you were with us when we talked about Zechariah, right? Zechariah's response was a little similar to that, don't you think? Matter of fact, it's very similar. It's, matter of fact, it's the same response. How will this be? How are you going to do this? Look at here. Don't, don't take my word for it. Look back at verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in her years. Same exact response. But look at the, there's two differences here though. And what you need to know is that when Luke writes his gospel, you have to pay attention to the details. Right? Here's the difference in the response. There is no unbelief in Mary's response. Same exact phrase. How is this going to happen? How will this be? But there's no unbelief in her response. Mary isn't asking, can you do this, God? I am a virgin. Can you really make me have a baby? She's not asking, can you do it? She's asking, how will you do it? How will you do this? And when it comes to God's plan for your life, it requires some faith. Faith is believing without seeing or without knowing. You're just having faith. And it's, let me say this. It's okay to question God. Let me, let me, just in case you didn't hear that, it's okay to question God. It's okay to say, God, okay, well, hey, I hear you calling me. You want me to do this. How is that going to happen? God, you're telling me to be faithful in my tithe giving, but I got bills to pay. How is this going to happen, God? That's okay to ask. God, you're asking me to do this. Okay, how is this going to happen? What's not okay is you saying, God, this can't happen because of this. It's okay to question. If you're not questioning, man, you're not growing, you're not learning. But faith is believing without seeing, without knowing for certain, just having faith. Mary's response was not of unbelief. It was straight asking, God, how are you going to do it? Zechariah was different. Zechariah saying, I'm old. My wife is old. You're telling her she's going to have a baby. She's old and barren. How are you going to do that, God? That can't happen. And how do I know that, man? Look at, look at what happens. Zechariah, when, when he responded, Gabriel goes, okay, you want to you doubt God? You want to have some unbelief? Now you're mute. Shut up. And he made Zechariah shut up until it happened. And we talked about that, and sometimes that's good for us to have our mouth be shut. Some of us, we say things, and we get in the way of what God's trying to do, and it wrecks everything. But look at what happens with Mary. Her, her question was built on faith and not on belief. And look what happens to her. Look at verse um, 35. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy. The Son of God, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her whom was called barren. Verse 37 For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. The difference between what the angel said, the angel rebuked Zechariah for his unbelief. The angel, when Mary responded, he responded with, hey, this is going to happen because nothing is impossible with God. You don't believe me? Go ask your cousin. The old lady who's barren, she's having a baby. She's six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible with God. You see, when we question God out of faith, not out of disbelief or doubt, when we question God, God goes, okay, you want to see? And he'll sometimes he'll give us some fruit. 
Sometimes, sometimes he doesn't. We are in the cave, uh, the, what's it called? Uh, the caverns. Forbidden caverns. Have you ever been in forbidden caverns? Anybody been in caverns before? Right? And you get to a certain point and it's awesome. Um, you need to go. It's, it's, it's pretty cheap. It's awesome. But they're doing a light show. It's pretty cool. And all of a sudden they go, hey, we're going to turn the lights off. And they shut the lights off and it's complete darkness. And he says, go ahead and hold your hand out in front of your face. And no, you can't see it, but it's there. Right? Now, when I was younger in California, because we do things differently in California, right? I was in a moat. It's called Moaning Caverns in Northern California. They do that. But what happens is they, they say, put your hand there. And they whisper to one of your friends, slap him. <laughs> and so what happens is like, put your hand there. You don't know. It's right there in front of your face. But they turn the lights on and your friend slaps you right in the face. It's awesome. Right? But when I was in these caverns, I had complete faith that my hand was right here. Even though it was dark all around me, I could not see my hand was there. I can't, you can't really feel your hand, but it's there. In that darkness, in my, my unbelief, I knew my hand was there, and I had faith that my hand was there. Sometimes in darkness, you don't know what God's doing. He's saying, go do this. It might feel like complete darkness. It might feel like He's not there. But He's saying, have faith because nothing is impossible for me. Have faith. How would this be? Man, the Holy Spirit, look at it, says, how would this be? An angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy. Um, and it's cool to talk to some visitors from East Texas. And in East Texas, I worked with this ministry called Thrive 360. And it works with lower income students. And we were teaching on this, right? And these, these lower income kids, man, they're awesome. God was one of them, right? And they, they come up with some crazy questions. And, and one of them, after we talked about the birth of Jesus, comes up to me and he said, Donnie, I got I to gotta talk to you, man. I got to talk to you. I said, what's going on? And he had tears in his eyes. He goes, man, I didn't know God was mean like that. I said, what do you mean? He said, how in the world is it okay for Mary to cheat on Joseph with God? And I mean, that's what, I mean, that's all. He, I mean, he's an inner city kid and that was his thought process, man, that she, needed, she had a baby. It wasn't with Joseph. It was, a, it was the holiest baby, right? So I had to explain to him, man, that's not, that's not what it is. Man, the spirit, literally, God created her body Hebrews 10.5 is what it was, that he prepared Mary's body to hold and conceive this baby. And the Holy Spirit was at work and made this happen. So going back to that dark cavern, know that, man, you might not feel like you're the one that God's calling. But know that he's made you to do something. He's literally formed every aspect of your body to do something. To be, what's that the song we sang this morning? Let me be used by you, God. God made us with a plan and a purpose. So by the Holy Spirit and the power of God the Father, man, a body was prepared for the Son to be born through Mary. Praise God. Praise God. You don't have to question that. You don't have to debate over that. God did it. There's nothing impossible for a barren old lady to have a baby. There's nothing impossible for a young man to slay a giant with a stone. There's nothing impossible for a virgin to give birth to the Son of God. That sounds like God to me, amen? That sounds like something God would do. He would take a farm boy from North Carolina and have him preach to the whole world. And he would take an empire kid from California to make him be your pastor. Amen. Right? God, with nothing, yeah, he's, nothing's impossible. Nothing. 
Some of you act like God can't do something in your life. Mm. You're going to get me preaching a different sermon here in a second. But Gabriel gives Mary that assurance in God's plan. He's saying, look, man, your family has seen it. God, just trust God. Nothing is impossible with God, man. Nothing is impossible with God. Look at verse 38, though. This is what we need to, this is what I really want to camp on. And I'm going to cut it short today. I'm feeling the Spirit telling me to cut it short. Look at verse 38. This is, look at her response to this. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Listen to how powerful that is. Listen to that statement of a young ghetto desert woman who has nothing. She, in her own mind, she is nothing. Saying, I am your servant. Your will be done. Listen to how powerful that is. When the angel of God spoke to Zechariah, he responded in disbelief and she responded, I am your servant. Whatever you call me to do, let it, if it's your will, not my will, if it's your will, let's do it. I'm all in. I surrender. And that kind of sounds like Isaiah. God's kind of looking around, man, who can I send to go do this? Isaiah, send me. Here I am, Lord. Hello. I'm here. Use me, God. Right? Oh, y'all are tired, huh? She kind of sounds like Esther, right? Says, even if I perish, send me to the king. If I perish, I perish. Her response sounds like Job, who's lost everything. Has people, dude, just blame God. Get it over with. Call God out. Let him kill you. Be dead. He's lost his family, his friends, his money. Sitting there sick and boiled out. He goes, man, even if God kills me, I will hope in him. Mary's response is powerful. And you know who it really, who it really reminds me of? is Jesus Christ, her son. Who went to the garden... Before he was about to be portrayed, before he was about to go and die for our sin, stands there in the garden kneeling, he's sweating blood and he's crying, saying, God, if there's any other way to get this done, if there's any way I can get the sin out of this world and have forgiveness, let's do that. But if not, your will be done. Mary's response, man. Look at the details in that. How faithful her response was. And that's how faithful people respond. If you're truly faithful to God, your response will always be, your will be done. If, if you're truly faithful to God, your response will be, your will be done. So my question to you is simply, does your response sound like Mary's? In your life, what God's calling you to do, or the things that you do and the things that you say in your life, do they reflect something like Mary's response? 
If not, what's going on? The only way a person can genuinely say what Mary says is to believe that God's plan is way better than anything that you can plan for your own life. That's the only way that you can respond like that. And if you don't have that type of response, there needs to come to a point in your life where you drop down onto your knees and you ask for forgiveness. Mm, I'm going to be quiet for a second then. That's the only way. The only way to have a response like Mary had is to be fully surrendered and faithful to God. And if your response isn't that, what is hindering you? Is it your belief that you are nobody? Because if that's the case, if you're a Christian in here today, your identity isn't you. If you're a Christian in here today, your past isn't who you are. If you're a Christian in here today, your new identity is Jesus Christ himself. That is who you are. We sing a song, God, you're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. You are a scrub, broken tool. But your identity is Christ, if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, your identity is your own sin. But Jesus and how good He is and God's plan unfolding in Nazareth and unfolding in Mary and Elizabeth, all these things happening. God's ultimate plan is for you to be forgiven of your sin. That's the plan. That's what God wants, you to be forgiven and to be in a relationship with Him because God loves you that much. That's God's plan. So with Jesus, man, your identity isn't where you're from or who you think you are. Your identity is Christ. When Mary responds, she faced, look at the things that she could have faced. She could have faced public shame, right? You know, that's not Joseph's baby. You all are engaged, sleeping around before you're married. Can't do that. That's public shame right there. She could have been divorced. Jacob, uh, Joseph, sorry, Joseph could have came in and said, hey, you know, whose baby is this, Right? And in other gospel accounts, it talks about that. She could have been poor and broke, right? Think about this. She was facing all of these things. And I'm sure, you know, <clears throat> one of the things that she was worried about was being the person in Nazareth that everyone in Nazareth made fun of, right? It's bad enough to be from Nazareth, but to be the woman who got pregnant outside of marriage, man, everyone's going to make fun of you. So now you're really the low of lows, even in the lowest place. You don't think she thought about that? I don't know. I, I don't know. But even facing those things, she said, I am your servant, God. Let your will be done. Whatever it is that you have for me, God, let it be. Listen, you can't truly be servants of Christ unless you set his plan for your life. You can't. You cannot be... A faithful Christian and plan your own life. It doesn't work. That's like being a follower who doesn't follow. Doesn't make sense. Right? Jesus Christ has to be the Lord and Savior over your life. Not just the Savior. It's not the get out of hell free card on Monopoly boards. Right? Jesus has to be the Lord and boss over your entire life. 
And so I'm going to cut it short. I'm going to listen to God. Worship team, y'all go ahead and come up. And this is what we're going to do today. God is calling each of you right now. God is calling. Y'all look at me. Y'all wake up for a second. I know what hot felt like last night. I know I'm tired. But wake up because I need to talk to you. God is calling each and every single one of you today. He is. And some of you right now are fighting God's call so hard that you won't make a move to, to follow Him. Some of you right now, God is calling you, whether it's to, to fully surrender to Him and finally give your life to Jesus and finally ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Some of you are fighting that right now, but God is calling you. Some of you right now, God is telling you to repent from some sin that you know you need to repent from, but you're not doing it. Because you're afraid of what somebody might say if you walk down the aisle. Some of you right here, <coughs> some of you guys are fighting serving in this church. And it doesn't have to be here. If God's calling you to serve at another church, go serve it. But I know God's calling you guys to step up and you won't. If your response doesn't reflect something like Mary's, doesn't reflect something like Jesus Christ, you need to repent. And that's, that has to start today. So we're going to stand, we're going we're gonna to sing a song, but this is what I'm going to ask. So I, 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 don't, I practice what I preach. I'm going to be down here praying for a little bit. If you need to come pray, you need to change your response a little bit, come meet me down here and pray with me. Some of you may, maybe need to make a decision for God today. Whether that's giving your life to Him, whether that's joining a church, whether that's getting baptized, whether that's rededication, respond. Respond. God doesn't care where you're from, what you've done in the past, who you think you are, what you're addicted to at this moment. God cares about your response and you being faithful to just have faith and trust in His plan. God, I pray for all of us right now, Father. God, knowing even in my own life, God, if I would just get out of your way, you would do something big in my life. If I would just get out of the way and just be obedient to you, God, you would do something big in my life, God. And I know that you're wanting to do the same thing in each and every single one of us here today, God. So God, I pray that you give us the courage to move out of your way, to respond in faith, not worried about the ridicule, not worried about what other people have to say, not worried about who we think we are, but just having complete faith in you, God. Some people in here right now, God, feel like they're in the dark, in the bottom of a cavern, God, but show them that you are faithful, that with you nothing is impossible. All we have to do is respond in faith to you, God. Sin was impossible to cure, and Jesus came and made it happen, God. 
you can do all things. So God, I pray that if we need to make a decision for you, God, that you would just convict us now, and God, that we would respond right now, Father. To your son's name we pray, amen. Stand and, and respond.